0: We'll <laughs> Thank you so much. And a big welcome, especially if this is your first time to church today. I don't know about you, but I'm excited about the prospect of greater well-being in my life. Um, You know, I don't know whether you're feeling great today. I don't know whether the weather's discouraging you, the fact that Liverpool are five points ahead of the Premier League. I mean, that was a real trial for me yesterday. Whether it's Brexit or more seriously, whether there's areas in your life that, if you like, robbing you, of a sense of well-being. The good news that we've got today and for this next eight weeks is we're going to go on a journey discovering that God has a great plan for our increased well-being. So you've come to the right place today. You, you're probably aware that well-being is a massive issue in our culture today. There's an increasing interest in well-being, both at a, an individual and at an organizational level. So what we want to do is to start with a definition. What do we mean by well-being? Well, the Oxford Dictionary defines it as the state of being comfortable, healthy, and happy. Psychology today basically goes along with that definition, but adds the following phrases. Having good mental health, high life satisfaction, and a sense of meaning or purpose, more generally well-being is just feeling well, and who doesn't want more of that? So, given that well being is such a huge issue in our culture today, uh, we decided we'd go out on the streets and find out what some people thought about the whole area. So, uh, please watch this.
1: I suppose I try to think of well being as self care, so, um, doing things that are good for you and your health which sometimes you might enjoy and other times you might not, but they're beneficial for you. Well-being, to me, is quite holistic. So it's your mind, it's your body, it's how you treat people and and how you feel you should be treated back. Feeling happy and safe and knowing um, that you um, you could trust people and that they could trust you and everybody's happy together. Friends, I think. Friends and just sort of... Friends is the main thing, yeah, Yeah having some sort of social life not necessarily like full doing something every day and always talking to people but knowing that you've got people there to talk to when if you, you need want it. it yeah if you yeah, want yeah. it and if you need it physical health overall yeah. like happiness yeah like mental yeah. health yeah financially <laughs> financial yeah. stable
0: yeah it would be a balance of um, of your social life work life um, the things
1: around you, really, that, that compose of your well-being. It's a form of happiness, just an all-round feeling content, I suppose. Well-being and contentness, I would say. I suppose mental, isn't it, really? Because you know, if your mind's not in the right place, how can you say that
0: you're you know, living a life with your maximum potential, I suppose, right?
1: Working towards goals for myself, personally, um, always striving to be slightly better at what I do than what I already am, just helps me feel good about myself. Well, just feel, feeling good about things, just feeling um, sort of positive uh, and looking forward to, you know, the future, however long or short, uh, I think, it's a, and, and obviously feeling well um, with health as well, mainly,
0: especially my age. <laughs> so some great feedback, some in great characters. I love those three guys. I <laughs> oh, what, what wish I could look as cool as that. But one of the things that becomes clear uh, as we listen to people, in fact, as I've been planning and studying and actually writing the book on this whole subject, I've come to the conclusion that if we're going to see well-being, we have to acknowledge that there are all kinds of different areas of well-being, each have an impact on the other. And so you probably saw when when you came into the building uh, and, and in fact, around the atrium, that what we're going to do over this series is we're going to look at well-being from a holistic perspective. We're going to look at, um, imagine, if you like, our lives are uh, like, uh, we've got different tanks or different areas of our lives. Imagine like you've got a dashboard and you've got various indicators of how well you're doing in a particular area. And so we're going to be focusing on uh, these areas of physical, emotional, spiritual, relational, vocational, and financial well-being. The thing about our well-being is we're kind of quite complex people. Have you noticed that? And well-being in one area can have an impact on all the other, and vice versa. A lack of well-being can actually mess us up in all areas of our lives. But as we start out, let's start from a positive uh, perspective. Let's have a vision. Maybe it, you could imagine um, in eight weeks' time, how many you'd like to see as a result of what God will speak to you and what you will do, an increase of physical energy? Anyone do more of that? Energy is so important. what about an increase of emotional peace? Boy, do we need some more of that. Or a a greater sense of spiritual vitality. Or relational harmony. Or vocational fulfillment. Or financial freedom. And imagine uh, uh, all of us... (laughs) growing step-by-step step in those areas. I think that would be absolutely fantastic. You see, the reality is whether you, today you feel massively depleted, and I'm aware of in a crowd this size, I've just been around long enough and we've been pastoring long enough to know that some of you are either in burnout or near burnout. There's many other, other, others of us somewhere kind of in between, and there's some of you who think you're just doing fine. Well, I want to tell you, none of us live in the green zone all of the time. I believe well-being is not so much a state, but it's a journey. And so, in this first session today, this introduction, I want to introduce the whole concept of a well-being journey. Talking about a journey of well-being, a couple of weeks ago, Karen and I went away, get ready to celebrate our 34th wedding anniversary. Thank you. And for the second year running, we went to a friends' lodge on Exmoor, and. Um, what we decided to do was we decided to do what we'd done the year before, which was try and find the highest peak on Exmoor, which is a place called Dunkery Beacon. Last year, we went on the journey and we got lost. So we set out again this time, and guess what happened? We got lost again. And so we had to turn back again. And not to be daunted, though, I thought, we have got to crack this. So I kind of got some fresh directions. We actually got in the car this time, cheated, drove up there, and still had to walk 30 minutes. And honestly, when we got there, we were so glad we pressed through. This is just a little snapshot of the view. You can see the most stunning 360-degree views. You can see all the way to South Wales, all the way down to Devon, um, into... Uh, Dartmoor, right down to Western Superman. It's even better than that picture. And by the way, those two people aren't us. (laughs) But it was worth it. But as I was thinking about that, and literally as we were walking along, and particularly as we're getting lost, I thought there's got to be a sermon illustration somewhere there. And I actually thought it's a little bit like that with life. You see, we can set out on a journey of well-being but somewhere along the way, we get lost. And somewhere along the way, it seems elusive. But if we can only press through, then it's worth it, just like those views were worth it. So what I want to do, I want to look at three key things we need, if you like, in place as we start this journey. Three key things that will help us go on a journey of greater well-being. Number one, if we're going to experience greater well-being, first, we need to follow the best directions. Can we say that? Best directions. Best directions. We need to follow the best directions for greater well-being. So this was our first problem, actually on both walks, but re- relating to this recent walk. You see, we set out, and for a start, we didn't have a map because there was no printer there. My 4G wasn't working, so we didn't have any digital help. And so in my kind of male way, I set out thinking I knew where we were going. I said, Karen said, Are you sure this is the way? Yeah, this is the way. <laughs> and as were, my own, what I thought was my intuition <laughs> got us lost again. And I thought I had a pretty good sense of direction. Um, and what was worse was as we were going, one of the signposts, uh, and we saw it last year, that, that in fact, the only signpost we saw to Dunkery Beacon was actually wrong. I think somebody twisted it. It was pointing in the wrong direction. Not very helpful. So how does that apply to our journey of greater well-being in life? Well, I believe it's critical that, if you like, we have some kind of map, some kind of digital help, um, some kind of way of making sure that we actually reach where God intends us to get. Now, the good news is today, because of a fascination for this whole subject of well-being and mindfulness and wellness, it's all around, Um, you know, if you have the time, you could watch one of the 120 million videos on the subject on YouTube. That's a lot of of videos. Many of the best-selling books today are on this whole subject too. That's the good news. The bad news is there's so much it can be overwhelming. And then the question is, how do we know when we actually go somewhere that the source is safe and it's actually going to help us? Well, the great news is that there is one go-to source for greater well-being. It's like a superb map, which gives us the best, the most accurate, and the most comprehensive overview, not just of one area of well-being, of all areas and how they fit together. What am I talking about? Of course, I'm talking about the Bible. It's actually 1,900 years on from when the last volume of the Bible was completed. It's still the best-selling book in history, and it's the best-seller year after year after year, knocking its rivals completely into touch. It's also the most influential book in history. I could spend the next hour or more just telling you the influence that the Bible has had and still has, even in our increasingly secular society, on our culture today. I mean, just a few examples. For it. you know, right now we are in the 21st century. What does that mean? Well, it's 21 um, centuries since the Bible says and records that Jesus Christ came to this earth. Our whole calendar is shaped by it. Our popular culture is shaped by it. We've got great literary classics like Lord of the Rings or C.S. Lewis, Narnia stories, right through to rugby songs like Bread of Heaven, influenced by the Bible. And then many of the great reforms and reformists reformists in history, things like the abolition of slavery, um, much of the developments of medicine and the whole hospital movement. And so much that's still good in our legislation today was actually founded on biblical principles. Great figures, great historical figures have long recognized the Bible's impact. George Washington, the first U.S. president, said this, it's impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible. Uh, Napoleon Bonaparte wrote, the Bible, I love this, is no mere book, but a living creature (laughs) with a power that conquers all that oppose it. What's Napoleon referring to here? He's referring to the fact that Bible isn't just, as it were, a static map. It actually is something that was composed by different authors, human authors, over 1,500 years. But the claim of the Bible itself, and what Napoleon is getting at here, is that behind all those human authors, there was one author, God himself. 2 Timothy 3 verse 16 says that the Bible was inspired by God. In other words, every word that we read in the Bible, we can trust, was intended to be there by God. And because it's inspired by God, or literally God-breathed, it's like it's living. It's not just a paper map. Um, I, I don't know about you, but when I get lost, um, you know, if I'm walking in London, I want to go somewhere or and I take a wrong turn, and I've got my little Google Maps, if I take the wrong turn, you know it's really smart, doesn't it? It knows where I am, and it knows how to get me back on track. Or, well, I've got a mixed feelings about Sat sometimes. But generally speaking, Sat have is helpful, isn't it? If you get lost, it gets you back on track. And there's something about the Bible. On the one hand, it does give us, if you like, a comprehensive overview of the whole subject of well-being, but also... Because it's alive, because, as it were, it's God-breathed, it means every time you pick it up, you can expect God himself will speak to you through it and get you back on track. That's why, as a Christian, I spend every day some time not just reading the Bible, but reflecting on the Bible. Why? (laughs) Because I'm trying to be religious? No, because I need to. (laughs) Because I have an inbuilt human tendency to to, to lose well-being even in the course of a day. Anyone else? But I find every time I come back to the Bible, it locates me, it locates God and how, we can come up, how, how I can line my life up. It's something living, it's something active. It's not a religious duty, it's an absolute joy. I come away and I think, oh yes, I can see again. I can see my way forward again. Uh, the, as the psalmist puts it, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on feet. My path. Now, if you look at the whole subject of well-being, um, and if you go through an English translation of the Bible, most translations won't actually have that word well-being in there at all. But that's more to do with the translation. Because actually there is a wonderfully deep and rich Hebrew word, it's the word shalom, that's used uh, over 250 times in the Old Testament. And the word shalom is almost always translated peace. So if you see the word peace in the Old Testament, you'll probably mean that it's the word shalom. Now the word shalom, when when you think of peace, what do you think of? You might think of, well, I want inner peace. Well, well well-being includes inner peace. But actually the word shalom is an incredibly rich word. Has the sense of health, wholeness, or literally, here's here's the translation for the word shalom or or peace. Can, Can we say this together? Complete well-being in every area of life. Isn't that, isn't that what we want? That's what this series is about. And so there's a, there's a wealth of, of, of Old Testament scriptures going into the New Testament that have the idea that well-being was originally God's idea and God's plan, not just for individuals, but for communities and whole nations. The Bible points the way to our need for well being and how we can begin to enjoy greater well being. And if you're not a Christian here, as I say, you're especially welcome. You haven't got a Bible, um, you know, in, in our, our, the resource pack we'll give you at the end. Um, We've got a copy of the New Testament just to get you started. For the rest of us, let's make sure that we make the Bible, if you like, our ultimate map and our ultimate source for well-being. And that's what's different about this series than any other book you'll read. You know, there's tons of great stuff on there. You can read a great book on sleep, it'll help you. But the Bible alone will give you this comprehensive overview on every area of well-being. That's the first thing. Let's follow best directions. But secondly... If we're going to enjoy greater well-being alongside the, um, the, the directions that we get from the Scriptures, I believe it's important, secondly, that we seek, can we say these two words together, expert guidance for greater well-being. You see, when you go on a journey, it's great to have Google Maps or a, a literal ordnance survey map if you're still into that kind of thing. Can I say... It's even more helpful if alongside you've got somebody who's an expert who's been there many times. You agree? I mean, sometimes even interpreting a map can be difficult. It's good to have the two working alongside each other. When I mentioned to our friend who was learning us stay there um, that we got lost on the same walk again, his kind of eyes rolled and, and he said, oh, when our, our daughter Emma's here, she runs it every morning. And I thought, well, that's no help to me. Emma's not here. <laughs> what we needed, next time we need to co- coordinate so she can actually help us get there. But the fact of the matter is why. She was an expert. She, she'd been there many times. Similar principle applies to our journey of well-being. You see, there's nothing like having an expert in a particular area of well-being who not only knows way more about the subject than you do, but also can, if you like, take where you're at and customize a plan for you. And so if we think again about the dials, again, if you think about these different areas, very few of us, can I suggest, have the time or the money to have a specialist coach or expert, human coach or expert in all those areas. But the great news, though, is that there is somebody who knows more about your well-being than the best physical trainer, nutritionist, sleep expert, or doctor. There is somebody who knows more about yours and my emotional well-being than the greatest psychologist or counselor. There's somebody who knows more about your spiritual well-being and my spiritual well-being than the greatest guru or religious leader or philosopher. There's somebody who knows more about... Uh, doing marriage well and relationships well than the greatest, if you like, relational coach or marriage counselor. Somebody knows more about how you can get on track with God's plan for your, um, for your life in terms of your career or your sense of purpose. And there's someone who knows more about your finances and how you can experience financial freedom than the greatest financial planner God himself, through the Holy Spirit, through Jesus, is here, he's alive, and he wants to give us, if you like, each of us, a customized, personalized plan to help us, because he's the expert, he knows more about any human being on all the areas, he knows how it all works together. And so we need the But yeah, thank God. So we need the Bible, but we also need the Lord himself. You see, God doesn't just know more about well-being than anyone else. He is actually the source of well-being itself. All true well-being ultimately comes from God. One of the um, many names of God in the Old Testament it is found in Judges six, verse twenty-four, and, and you'll see it if you read your Bible. It says, "And, and it, it says that the name of the Lord is the Lord is peace." Guess what? Old Testament word is the word for peace there. Shalom. So it's the Lord is shalom. Or we could accurately and legitimately say the Lord is well-being. I mean, if you go in the presence of somebody and you're feeling stress, you know, one of the things I love about Karen, she's she's generally a lot more calm than I am. So sometimes I can just be with her and I just feel calm. Imagine being in the presence of God who is well-being just being in his presence and his presence being in your life in an increasing way will increase your well-being, because he is the source of all true well-being. So yes, we're going to look at you know, we, we're going to look at different resources, and we're recommending different kind of websites and all kinds of things. But can I say behind it, Or, just like there's one best map? the Bible, so there is one person who's going to help us in all areas of well-being, and it's God himself. And so an increase of his presence in our life is, if you like, the first key to us enjoying greater well-being. But there's there's something even more wonderful than that. You see, not only is God the source of all well-being and knows all about well-being, guess what? He knows all about you and he knows all about me. You see, I've had expert help, I'll talk about in a moment, from you know, one or two people who are experts in an area. And to a measure, they, they get to know me. But there's nobody who knows me like Almighty God himself. The psalmist put it this way. You know me inside and out. Do you know that one of the longings that we have as human beings is to be truly known? You see, but the, but the reality is sometimes we're a bit fearful of that. Oh. What are they going to find out when they know me? I want to tell you, there's a God who knows you like no one else. And because of his grace through Jesus Christ, loves you anyway. And he has a plan for your greater well-being. You see, I I know this from personal experience. Uh, Some of you have heard my story. But, you know, I grew up as a child aware of God. But God was, if you like, external to me. As I went into my teens... That sense of um, emptiness, if you like, emptiness, a void in my life. I, I was so aware there was something missing. I was not living in well-being. That's to put it mildly. But then, when I became a Christian at 19, invited Jesus Christ, if you like, the Prince of Well-being Himself, Isaiah 9:6, to come into my life. Immediately, I was filled on the inside with a sense of well-being I could never have imagined possible. Drink, relationships, man city, all the things I'd tried before to give me satisfaction. All the things I was striving for, nothing could compete with, the, the, with God coming into my life. And that spiritual well-being, if you like, almost immediately overflowed into my physical well-being. I started getting healthier physically. I started experiencing a peace in my, in my mind. It affected my relationships big time my sense of uh, purpose, my, my, my relationships. That was uh, many, many years ago, 36 years ago. And over those years, I can honestly sense, as, as I've sought to, as it were, follow the map, <laughs> that the Bible, and walk with the Spirit, I've enjoyed increasing well-being. And if a couple, two and a half years ago, you say, how are you doing? I'd have said, yeah, pretty well. I was probably a bit tired, but the God who knows me and knows you and the God who loves me and, and, and loves you actually had a plan for my greater well-being. And so two and a half years ago, and I'll share a bit more about that next week, the Lord started revealing particular areas. For me, it was in the whole area of emotional health, things I was partly aware of, but not fully able to, to deal with. The Lord started showing me areas of my life, the whole emotions that were impacting on my sleep and, 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 and overflowing into other areas of my life. But the God who's good... He had a plan for my life. He started me on a journey of showing me my need, setting me free through a fresh revelation of his love. And although I'm still on a journey, as I'm sure uh, all of us here today, I've experienced areas of emotional peace and freedom that honestly two and a half years ago I could not have imagined. Why am I saying all that? Because wherever we're at on the journey of well-being, I want to encourage you, God has more. And he knows you. He's the source of well-being, and he's also the expert guidance. That's the two things. These are the two foundations. Follow the best directions. Seek expert help, God himself. And then thirdly, if we're going to enjoy um, greater well-being, we've got to travel with others. Say others. And I don't just mean about God now. I'm talking about others. Like, you know, nudge the person next to you, the others around you. I'm talking about other people for greater well-being. You see, I'm so glad on our Exmoor journey, well, most of the time, that Karen and I were together. Once we got through a brief marital argument or two, no, it's this way. No, it's that way. We were here half an hour ago. Seriously. To, I'm not going any further up that hill. I'll leave you to imagine who that was. (laughs) I'm glad, though, that we, were tra- we traveled together, particularly as first the sole on one of Karen's walking boots started to come off, and then half an hour later, the second one came off. Can you believe it? In the same journey, I'm glad she wasn't out there isolated alone. I'm glad we could encourage one another and kind of gee one another up, up when we got lost again. And I'm also especially glad of that memory we had when we finally got to the top and we experienced a special wedding anniversary moment. <laughs> There's something about doing life with others. You see, the fact is, in the journey of life, it's even more important that we recognize we were not called to do this alone. The writer Ecclesiastes puts it this way, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. You see, I don't know about you, but I have found over my life's journey... In fact, especially in these last two and a half years, something about the value of other people, me helping them and them helping me on a journey of, well, uh, of greater well-being. Not just um, Karen, but also a you know, small group of guys that we regularly meet together in our group, and one or two people outside of Kingsgate. And, and I can honestly say I would not be where I am, and I'm confident <laughs> Um, that I'm, I'm still growing and still changing. I would not be where I'm at without having other people in my life. You see, I need others, you need others. How many know that we all have blind spots? We all need help. There's something about, sometimes even just sharing where you're at. Um, can, can, uh, you know, psychologists will say that even the very fact of having people around you will reduce your stress. More so than if you're isolated. So, with that in mind, I'm so excited that not just we're going to be going through this series individually. I'm so excited that we're going to go through this series, as it were, as a whole as a whole uh, company. You see, both on a Sunday, where we come together, isn't it great to know that we're all on the same page? You know, we're, we're tracking together. We're going to be looking at these areas. I think something amazing about the synergy of us all growing. In, in our well-being journey. But, but as well as, if you like, gathering together and looking at different aspects of our well-being. Starting next week, where I'm going to look at uh, the whole thing of our mindset and our minds, which is where a lot of the, the, the problems start. But there's something, too, about the fact that we also need a few people who either know us well or we can, that we can open up because it's there that the real, kind of, the real power of community begins to work. And so we've got dozens and dozens of small groups, all different types, right across the city and the region, you know, and if you want to get the most out of this well-being journey, I would strongly encourage you to get in a group, and, you know, and that's that's why, you know, the book that I've written, we're we're giving out into groups, because we think it's not just an individual study, it's something that as you go through day by day, it's not just process on your own, you've got other people who are going to process together, and you can find out how to get involved in a group afterwards. And, and the real principle of this series is don't try and, as it were, come up with 50 different solutions to your well-being. You'll get overwhelmed. But I think it'd be wonderful if, if we track through these weeks, maybe you think of just one thing you can do it, to increase your physical well-being. One thing you can do to increase your emotional well-being. And then, at the end, and then follow through on it. I, honestly, there's such power in taking simple next steps. We get encouraged, we get strengthened. As we start growing in one area, it starts impacting on every other area of our lives. So I'm excited for you. I'm excited for us at what the Lord is going to do. But if we're going to see an increase of well-being, as I begin to conclude here, there's actually a first step that each of us need to take. You see, back to our recent journey on export again, this time, second time round, we actually kind of frustratingly got to see Dunkery Beacon on that, on that walk. But I don't know if you can see it clearly, but we were on the light-coloured place that was actually a hill, and we could see what we thought was Dunkery Beacon in the distance. What is not very clear, and only became apparent to us, is that down where you see the trees in the foreground, there was a massive ravine, and for the life of us, we couldn't, Get the bridge. We couldn't find it. So we kept trying and trying and trying. We just couldn't cross the ravine. And even on the hill we were at, we actually got some quite good views. But nothing compared to when we eventually got to where we were heading. And as I I thought about that, I'm conscious that many of us are trying to find something in life... But like our journey, it's it's like it's elusive. You see, the Bible makes clear that God has always had a plan for our well-being. In the original creation, the idea is that we and God were together and we were to enjoy um, perfect well-being. But something happened. The Bible calls it sin, but we basically turned our back on God, the source of our well-being. And so a real ravine... (laughs) Opened up between us and the source of our well-being, and a bit like us on the journey. Sometimes we're not even aware it's there until we try and try and cross over. And try as we might in our own efforts, we can't actually bridge that gap. But the good news is, our loving God took matters in His own hand, and He sent Jesus Christ, His Son, who is the prince of all well-being, to come to show us what God is like, to minister to people, bringing peace and well-being wherever He came, and then ultimately to lay His life down, as it were, like a bridge on the cross. Rose again, triumphing over sin and death. And then all you and I need to do is we need to receive His gift, receive His forgiveness, walk across the bridge, and start on a journey of increasing well-being. That's it. And there still is a journey beyond the cross. Just like when we drove up there, we still had to walk 30 minutes to get there. But I just want to be clear if you've never crossed the bridge, if you don't know Jesus Christ, or maybe you have and you've turned your back on him, there is a way back. Jesus Christ has come as the source and the bridge that you might enjoy God's bless for your life. And if that's you today, then in a few minutes' time, after we've done the baptisms, um, I'm going to give an opportunity to pray and, uh, as it were, cross the bridge and receive his gift. But before we do, I'm really excited that we are going to baptize over these two services. We've got 19 people being baptized today, 10 in the first service and <laughs> 9 in the second And if you've never been to a baptism, what you're going to see is uh, people are going to come down here, they're going to be plunged under the water and brought up again, and it's actually a glorious picture of them, as it were, um, what Jesus has done, they're identifying with him in his death, his burial, and his mighty resurrection. They're saying, we've, if you like, crossed from death to life. We've crossed from an old life to a new life, and we're going to celebrate Uh, with them. Before we do that, we've got uh, just one person uh, that we want to capture, that we've captured on video, who's just going to tell you their story of why they're going to get baptised, kind of representing all the 19. So please watch this.
1: Hi, my name's Gary. We came to a Christmas service at the end of last year. We were invited by some friends. Didn't really know what to expect or what we were getting into or, or what it was all about. Uh, but we really enjoyed the service. At the time, I was struggling with some issues. I was working too much. My well-being was low. Uh, I was running a business which was taking up all of my time. I was having no time for my family and just really thinking, is this it? I started doing the Alpha course. and At the time, I was sort of dipping my toes in and wasn't really you know, feeling too much uh, until my table leaders got together and prayed for me. Uh, after they found out I was dealing with some some issues due to overworking and, and, and not spending time recharging and spending time with the family. The very next day I woke up and I just felt completely different. I wasn't sure what was going on. I went to work, my work flowed. I remember texting my wife and, and, and explaining to her I just feel different. So it was about halfway through the Alpha Course that uh, I gave my life to Jesus. Um, it's just through the changes in my life. Uh, the changes that I could see happening around me to me and my wife and my family. Um, So yeah, we we just feel that it's the right thing to do and it's the way we want to live our lives now. Uh, We're living in a day and age where life is so stressful, um, so busy, we've all got so much going on and knowing this now, and I didn't know it for 38 years, I just want to share that with people and let people know that you can have this life, it's always been there. You just need to open your eyes to it and he will help you and he will come.